Salutations, peace, and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. My name is The Kamish. Got a lot to touch on this episode. Got a lot to touch on this episode. My goodness, I wouldn't know where to start if I did not take the time out to prepare myself for this episode because there was so much that went on over the last six or seven days since the last time I was on the mic. I don't know where to begin, but I know I need to concentrate a good portion of my time on my man, Mr. DeMar Hamlin, who I hope and pray at this point is doing much better. I I heard nothing but good results. I I heard that he's been responding to doctors, that uh, at some point he was able to even write down who won the game. Like he was really out of it. It really had no clue what was going on, but it just shows you that in the midst of what happens in life, even playing a football game, we focus so much on everything else around us, we don't even realize that our own life is in jeopardy, that we're on the cusp of death. And for him to come out of this after four or five days of being in a comatose state, due to cardiac arrest, playing a football game, to be alert and to be alive, to say, well, who won the game? You know, you don't think about this. This is such an unprecedented situation that happened that nobody would have ever thought in their wildest dreams that something like this would come out positive. This is a miracle. And I know I said I'd talk about it later, but, you know, the, the question came out, well, who won the game? The doctor said, you won. You won the game of life. Partner, you won. You could have died on the field. And and so many people are taken aback by we what I don't want to do, and I'll talk about this in a bit. But what we don't want to do is cast any type of shade over the NFL and how they handle it. You know, I I think it's just one of those situations that nobody would have seen anything like this coming. And and for us to respond in the way that we did, it's sincere, it's genuine. But more importantly, the NFL did what they thought was necessary at that point of time. And so everything didn't transpire the way people probably should have thought it should have happened. You know, it it wasn't, uh, you know, a, a situation where we just knew the next thing we needed to do was get off the field and put our stuff. This took time. This took a great deal of time to decide if what we were supposed to do next would be to cancel the game. And so I think the NFL got it right. But I'll talk more about that later in the episode. I will, believe when I tell you. But shout out to DeMar Hamlin and, and, and coming through, won't say with flying colors, he's still in critical condition, but he's stable. Thank God for that. I mean, if you're not a person that's fearful of God, shame on you. Because this is the this is the prime situation here of why we concentrate on the good Lord from above. He sits high and looks low. He looks after us even amidst in in, in situations like this where you're on the brink of death and survive something like this. It is a miracle. And I'm shouting out his family. Shout out to to Bill's Mafia, everybody out there in Orchard Park, New York that witnessed this. Hey, listen, hold your head up because he's doing well. He's going to be fine, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to be just fine. I'm going to segue into a few things related to football, of course. But the first thing I really got to talk about, because the commission feels like he has to apologize. I really have to take a few minutes to apologize for this. This is nuts. I'm watching the uh, BCS semifinals between TCU and Michigan. 
and I'm watching Georgia and Ohio State, and, and, and I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what to expect. But, but let me just first come out and just say, my bad. The commission's going to come out and say, my bad. My bad for thinking that TCU was just going to lay there and just die against Michigan. I, I, I really didn't think they were going to put up 51 points on an undefeated team. It, 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 just think about it for a second. Not to say that TCU was uh, some, some, you know, long-distant team that didn't have a shot, but I know I came off thinking that they probably wouldn't have had a chance to go to the national championship. And here they are. But the how they did it is probably the most it's the most unusual. It's it's the most mesmerizing, most incredible thing that you can see coming from a team that was, of course, underdogs going up against Michigan. But how they just scorched Michigan, it is unbelievable. And maybe it's more unbelievable for the commission because the people in TCU knew what they had in the Horn Frogs. I think the fact that Michigan underestimated them is a testament to what Jim Harbaugh is as a coach overall. I don't know what it is with Jim Harbaugh, and maybe he shouldn't take all the blame for that loss, but I'm looking at you first because you are the coach that was supposed to be the mastermind against these other teams that if you were to just play against these teams would be successful. You would know what to do. You would know how to handle a team like TCU. Think about the fact you beat Ohio State, Penn State, and all these other teams in the, in the Big Ten and whomever else you might have played against to play against a TCU team, underdogs in that, in that game, and you got smoked. I mean, yeah, it was relatively close. Maybe Michigan could have won, but they struggled to win against TCU? 51 points on you guys? I mean, it was so embarrassing. Jim Harbaugh is now taking interviews for the NFL again. That, that's, how, <laughs> that's how backwards this is. He went from uh, being the, the top dog in Michigan, how he may be the coach for Michigan and, and how he could very well be the coach of the year for Michigan, how he could do these things for Michigan. And then all of a sudden, this guy's looking at NFL interviews and, and head coach positions with the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> it, it sounds like a man that is a completely sore loser. Loves to win, but the moment he loses, I can't do this anymore. And where do we see this? Where is this reminiscent of? Yeah, of course, San Francisco. Coaches the 49ers, and before long, they lose the Super Bowl. He is not the same. There's some people that maybe deserve to be coaches, and there's some people that, you know, are just coaching. And, you know, you look at Saban and others, and you can look at Kirby Smart now because it looks like Georgia may win back-to-back championships. But without digressing on that, you think of Tim Harbaugh and what he's been through as a coach, be it at Michigan, at, at, at um, Stanford, his, his stint with the 49ers. He seems like a person that enjoys the fruits of labor when you're winning. But he never thinks about the fact that if we lose, how can we rebound from this? How can we get better from this? How do we take the next step up to improve this team so that we can go out there and be champions? Because he doesn't last long enough to decide, well, you know what, maybe if I do this and I do that, maybe we can win more games. Perhaps we can win a championship. Because the moment he has that opportunity, he bolts. He's gone. He's out the door. Now he's thinking about going back to the NFL? Partner. I mean, what does that say about you? What does that say about integrity? 
What does that say about you as a person, as an individual? Your morale is just shot. Because all you, all you can think about is the fact that you lost the TCU. Mind you, last year around this time, who'd you lose to? Georgia. It's what it is. You have to know how to correct those mistakes. You have to know how to show a little bit of faith towards your players that things would be all right. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe there was no faith in his players. Maybe there's no faith in himself. He just don't want to admit to it. But the fact that we're talking about Jim Harbaugh going to the NFL again, oh, that's messy. And, and why Carolina? Steve Wilkes did an outstanding job with a sinking Carolina Panther program, but yet you're not content with him. Why? Why are we not content with Steve Wilkes? Shout out to him. This man gets a bad rep. It doesn't make a difference where he goes. People just don't like him. They don't like the idea of him being a coach anywhere. It's sad. Another black coach. No, I don't want to go that route. I don't want to make this a black-white thing. I really don't. But why not give this man an opportunity to be a coach? Why are we so quick to look after Jim Harbaugh? He's not proven. At least not on a professional level. He took one team to the Super Bowl and the 49ers and then bolted on them. They couldn't bring back Kaepernick. Kaepernick, unfortunately, is released by the NFL in some way, shape, or form. But now you want Jim Harbaugh to come back to the NFL. That's called desperation, people. We're just trying to find anybody that can somehow bring some type of life to the NFL. And I talked about that with the with the quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, the quarterbacks, I mean, forget it. Outside of what you see in Brady and, and Rodgers, it's a crapshoot. We're trying to figure out who's the next best quarterback after Mahomes. And Mahomes is only 25 years old. Jeez. This is where we are. We got to find. A, we got to try to find the next best coach, the next best Belichick. We got to find the next best Brady. Oh boy, we're in trouble. The NFL's in trouble. So says the commission. I want to go into, and I'm going to start ranting, people. I got some time before I go into Mr. Hamlin's case, but I want to start ranting on the Washington commanders. I shot these guys out every time I talk about because I love this team win or lose. You could tell how devoted the commission is when we're talking about the commanders and the highs and lows of this team. The fact that they can beat an Eagles team that was undefeated underdogs by over 10 points and put up 32 points on the Eagles. We can't go out there and I said we, I include myself, we can't go out there and beat the Cleveland Browns we can only put up 10 points on the Cleveland Browns. We lost three straight games. All we need to do is just win two to solidify a, plot, a spot in the playoffs. Do you mean to tell me that Coach Rivera could not master up a plan to be successful, at least against the Giants? You had a bye week to prepare for this team. You had just played them the week prior to the bye week. So you mean to tell me you didn't know how to prepare for the Giants at home, prime time, Sunday night football, a division opponent? You had to beat them. You had to beat the 49ers, which, of course, we all know wasn't going to happen. But then you had to go out there and beat Cleveland, and you couldn't do that. You lost three games in a row. You were the seventh seed after the bye week going into the playoffs. This was the one moment that if you could really put the limelight 
on a division like the NFC East, a division that nobody, nobody outside of the people, the fans of the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles, the New York Giants, and the Washington Commanders can stand tall and be proud of. We're the only ones that can talk high about that division because we know how physical that division can be. We know how gruesome that division can be. And we had an opportunity to prove everybody wrong by having four teams in one division in the playoffs. It was humanly possible. I believe the guy's name is Steve Kornacki. I could, I could, I could have his name wrong, but those that watch uh, SS or MSNBC, excuse me, they know who this man is. Kornacki has the the khakis, he has the glasses, he does all the probabilities, the stats. He said prior to the game that Sunday night against the, the Giants, he said that if they were to beat the Giants, they had an 89% chance of making the playoffs. 89% chance. Now, let me just say this. If anybody had 89% of a chance to get anything in life, a car, a house, a woman, the new man, a, a, a new coat, shoes, whatever the case may be, if you had an 89% chance to get a new job that you love, wouldn't you want to jump on that? Why would you jeopardize your chance at 89% of something? And say, oh, you know what? I ain't gonna worry about it. Because that's what Washington did. They basically gave up on themselves. They gave up on the fans. They gave up on Washington as a whole. All this time, we're trying to rile everybody up, trying to place people on pedestals about how grand this team is, and we can't go out there and beat the Giants after a bye week? And we were favored by two and a half, three points. Whether that's a lot or not, it's still the fact that we were favored to win. And even when we struggled against them and were underdogs against the 49ers, we were, we were favored. We were favored to win against the Cleveland Browns. And we couldn't do that. So I got to be upset with something or someone because it is unimaginable. It's unfathomable. It's unbelievable even to sit here and talk about the fact that the Washington Commanders have been eliminated from the playoffs. I got to talk about Aaron Rodgers again. Oh, my God. I threw this guy under the bus how many times? Now I got to talk about the fact that he could be in the playoffs after I just dismissed him several weeks ago. So now I got egg on my face again. This is the most ridiculous, the most embarrassing, the most pathetic thing I can see when it comes to sports because it is unexplainable. There's nothing more that I can say outside of downgrading Rivera, Scott Turner, Jack Del Rio, and all the other fools that are coaching that team to not get this team prepared to win against three, at least three teams. I would say two. If they had won against the Giants, they had a better chance at making the playoffs because we knew they weren't going to beat San Francisco. At San Francisco, I don't care who's quarterback. And you could have had Doug Williams out there. They weren't being San, San Francisco. So what are we talking about? So now we got to worry about Cleveland. You're at home favored by two and a half and you couldn't beat them at home? You let Deshaun Watson do whatever you want? You let that defense do whatever they wanted? Miles Garrett was all up in their faces. It didn't make a difference who was quarterback. This makes no sense to the commish. I was, I, I was on my soapbox just several weeks ago talking about how well they beat 
Philadelphia and the game plan and how well they played defense, I saw nothing remotely close to that, reminiscent of that game against Philadelphia. It makes you wonder how prepared is this team, how prepared are the Washington Commanders to go out there and just win a game? To be competitive is one thing, but just win. Even if you're competitive at the point where you could win, why can't you win a game? Why can't you win at least two games to solidify your spot in the playoffs? Now, everybody can just say the same thing. Somebody's got to get fired. That's imminent. That is something that you can you cannot reverse. You cannot think differently. You cannot plan strategically. People have to go. How many people have to go is probably the biggest question mark because we don't know if we got to start with Rivera. All we know is that Rivera is the one accountable for what this team has done since the bye week. Any other time the bye week is week five of the season. They get a bye week, week 15, week 14 of the season, and you still can't win a game? You've lost three straight. Whether it was Carson Wentz or Taylor Heineke, you lose three straight games. And guess who's winning in the meantime? Seattle? Detroit? Green Bay? And we wrote off Green Bay. No, 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 no. Let me rephrase. The commission wrote off Green Bay. And now people listen to the commission. Like, yeah, you know what you're talking about. Well, you know what? Hey, listen, I'll be the first one to tell you that was my bad. Because I just knew that that Green Bay Packer team was washed up. I just knew that this team had given up on everything that they tried to do. That there was no way they could win more games to give themselves a chance to go into the, to the playoffs. And silly me, who would have thought that Washington would lose three straight while everybody else is winning games? Seattle had no problem winning the game last week. Green Bay had no problem winning the game last week. Detroit had no problem winning the game last week. The times that you need to win, the real teams step up to do so. In the meantime, the teams have been struggling all season long do exactly what we thought they would do, and that's lose, and lose horribly. It's one thing to lose in a close game, but when you get, when you only put up 10 points against the Cleveland Browns, it truly makes you wonder who has to be held accountable for this. I am done pointing fingers. It is time to clean house. If you ask the commission right now, which I'm sure none of you are going to do, if you ask the commission right now, we got to go young. We tried that with Gruden. Maybe that wasn't the best fit. Ironically enough, somebody came out and said, if I had to choose between Gruden and Rivera right now, I'd still take Gruden. And you know what? I feel you. I'm right there with you. Because it doesn't explain how you can be in a position to make the playoffs and still be eliminated from the playoffs. In a position where after a bye week, all you had to do was just win at least two games. I'm not expecting them to win all four. They'd have to play the 49ers. They sure as heck are going to beat Dallas. And they're playing at home. And Dallas is still favored. I'm surprised they're not favored by 50 points. Because we know the Washington Commanders are not going to beat the Dallas Cowboys. Sad as it is for me to say that, as much as I'm trying to hold back the vomit in my throat, it's the truth that we know that Dallas is going to show off their you-know-whats against Washington because it's for bragging rights. I wouldn't be surprised they blow these fools out by 30 points. 
I wouldn't be surprised if Washington only put up three points. I'm looking for a shutout. And maybe that's what we need. We need that moment that we realize in a shutout, people have to go. We need to make sure that Washington doesn't put up any points to give us a justified reason to fire somebody, if not everybody. So says the commission. You've been listening to the Kneel Down podcast. Sad, sad as it is for me to sit here behind the mic and say that I am so disappointed in the team that I gave so much praise for, for beating the Eagles. They beat the Eagles. Eagles were favored by over 10 points. I believe it was 12. And they put 32 points up on the Eagles in Philly. And we couldn't even put up more than 10 points against Cleveland at home. There is a problem. And I'm not going to blame Snyder. I didn't see Snyder on the sideline coaching a soul. I'm starting with Rivera and I'm working my way down. If you got a clean house with everybody, so do it. Because this, there is no word, there are no words that can explain how you could be this careless, how you could be this incompetent at a time where you should be winning football games that you would lose three straight and eliminate yourself from the playoffs. There's just no words for it. I move on. Because I want to talk a little bit about DeMar Hamlin. And, And... we don't know DeMar Hamlin from a can of paint. Outside of his family, God bless him, and his his family there in Buffalo, his teammates, I don't know much about DeMar Hamlin. Outside the fact that the guy played at Pittsburgh, and I found that out after the man got hurt. After the man was in cardiac arrest. I didn't know anything about DeMar Hamlin. All I know is that he played for Buffalo. And he probably didn't even start this season for Buffalo, but he was out there on the field Monday night. He was out there giving it his all, playing 100% football, playing hard. And it was the first quarter, and I didn't see the footage, but I know he went after a tackle on uh, T. Higgins. He took a stand, and then he collapsed. It's horrible to see. It's tragic to see, because you don't know why a person that fit would just fall out in the middle of the ground like that and then can't breathe. So I don't want to dwell so much on it because it could be painful to a lot of people that are listening to this. But the man could not breathe. His heart had stopped. Now, whether this man was clinically dead or not, the point is they had to revive him in order to take him to the hospital to get this man healed up. And by the grace of God, he's doing better. Although he may still be in a critical position, he is still doing better. So we have to give praise to our God. I'm not trying to be religious, but let's call for what it is. Is God, he's the reason for this man even being alive today. Never mind the technology, the, the electronics, the medicine, the doctors have been on them, the, the, the nurses that have been on This is God's doing. This is God's plan. And I really do hope he walks out of there because I know there'll be a parade for that man. What bothers the commission are the responses behind what the critics, the commentators, the journalists have to say to still try to make this a debatable issue. What do I mean? I saw on social media the number of people that had something to say about how the Buffalo Bills 
and perhaps the Cincinnati Bengals and perhaps the NFL handled this situation. And let me just say for the sake of arguing, I don't know anybody from a candidate in the NFL. I've met Roger Goodell once, I'm not bragging about it, but all I can say is this. They did the right thing by making sure they didn't play that game anymore. That was just a start. And it went on from there. Guys decided, hey, listen, I can't do this. It's just too overwhelming for me to handle. So then they went to the locker room, did what they had to do. They, they, they took showers, whatever, got cleaned up, prayed for the man, stuck around, hung with the people, cried, prayed some more. That's what you're supposed to do. Your fallen brethren is there in the middle of the, of the ground and can't breathe, has no heartbeat. Take them back to the hospital. They revived The second time I heard. And the commentators and journalists, although I don't hear all of what was said, I did see footage on social media with two people from Fox Sports. And I usually don't name drop when it comes to commentators and journalists, but I will tonight because I felt like Shannon Sharp, shout out to him, had an idea. He had a plan. The plan was for him to at least give his feelings, his humble feelings about a man that fell on the football field because he could have related to that. He played football for a number of years in the Hall of Fame. And he felt some kind of way about what happened to Hamlin. And then he felt some kind of way with his his co-host, Mr. Skip Bayless, and what he had to say regarding the situation. And I know a lot of people probably got it misconstrued because I think Skip, being a journalist, couldn't help himself. I'm still gonna comment on this by trying to stand out by saying what it is I feel about the situation. And people could take it any way they want. But what's disturbing is when Shannon Sharp used his platform to make mention of Mr. Hamlin and the situation and how he felt as though people like Skip Bayless who really don't think of things from both sides of the coin. They just want to talk just to get ratings up. Had something to mention, and Skip Bayless still interrupted him by saying, time out, I'm not taking anything back. Partner, listen to me. This is not about Skip Bayless. It's not about that stupid show, Undisputed. It's about the fact that Shannon Sharp felt the need to speak up for his football brethren about somebody that passed out and nearly died on the football field. And he was going to give kudos to you because he felt as though you were still a part of what his whole monologue was all about. And you interrupted that. So what I see in that display had less to do with journalism, had less to do with commentary, and more to do with pride and control. And I've talked about control before, and I'm not going to stop talking about it because as those men those narcissistic men, those arrogant men, those self-absorbed men that have control, that feel as though I don't care what this man has to say about Hamlet. I'm going to speak my mind, even if it is my co-host, because I'm the man in control. I'm the reason why he's here, not the other way around. Let's recognize it for what it is. This is my show, and Shannon just have to be a part of it. Now that, in my in my eyes, is an insult to Shannon Sharp, because he's been on the show for over five years, and all he's ever done was compete and debate with, with Skip. Of course, most of those times, Skip didn't know what he's talking about, but he never went sideways with Skip because he respected Skip. Skip doesn't respect Shannon Sharp. I would not be surprised even after this. After what we do to try to give praise to Mr. Hamlin for what he went through, DeMar Hamlin still has a reason to be talked about. 
but you're disrupting and you're destroying other situations like this. When it was time to really do something to stand up for this man and speak on this man, you decide to think more about yourself. I'll say this before it's time for me to go. Shannon, it's time for you to move on from Undisputed. Now, whether that happens or not, whether he has his own show or not, that'll be the question mark. But you don't need anybody handcuffed to you that can give a damn about you and your feelings and your whole monologue and anything else that you stand for. It's not for you. I have a newfound respect for Shannon Sharp for what he was trying to do. As a humble man is, so he needs to go and find his own way in life. And I guess in this situation, he needs to find his own show. Because we still need to recognize the fact that what we saw Monday night, it is amazing that we're still talking about him still being on his earth today as he recuperates. So says the commish. You have been listening to the Kneel Down podcast. I want to thank those that have been listening to the show for as long as you have means that much to me. Believe me when I tell you, means that much to me. I will do it all again soon enough. But this, of course, was a football episode that need to be mentioned, need to be said. Demar Hamlin, get better, son. Get better soon. Believe me, partner, get better soon. We're still praying for you. And we do hope that everything works out well down the road for the Buffalo Bills, the Cincinnati Bengals, whether they play that game or not, we're going to still watch some football. The playoffs are right around the corner. I'm getting myself ready because that's what it's about. You've been listening to the Kneel Down podcast, and I'm out of here like last year, which was just last week. I say all that to say this. Keep thinking about what just happened Monday night. Think about how great God really is. With that being said, I'm going to say peace and love to all those out there. Stay safe. Get vaccinated. And I'm out.